Hello and welcome to episode four of None of Us Is Yet a Robot, the podcast. Um, excitingly, this is the first of a few uh, episodes that I'm recording from live at the Glasgow uh, Glasgow Buzzcut Festival, um, where I've been performing my show and I've been all week seeing all number of incredible things. Um, so I'm currently crouched in a corridor while party happens next door but I wanted to get this one out super quick super quick because I'll be recording another one tomorrow so it's going to be podcast city um this episode is a conversation with a um uh, trans woman who I've been following on Twitter for a little while now um her Twitter handle is uh Kate which I will link to and um her name is Kate Adair and we've had uh, a really interesting conversation um spinning off of the topic of election which was given to us by my last guest so without further ado i'm gonna hit play and here is the wonderful kate adair okay um Hello and welcome to episode four of None of Us Is Yet A Robot, uh, the podcast. Um, we're recording, so listen, silence, we found the quiet room for once, um, but we are recording in the heart of the Buzzcut Festival at Glasgow, um, so there's a lot of bustle around the building, but we've tucked away uh, literally in a uh, changing room surrounded by bits of sets and things, and I'm joined today by... Um, Kate Adair. Yes, hello, hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm loving our little kind of room. There's like TVs and cardboard boxes. Yeah. And yeah, you can tell there's an arts festival going on at the moment. Absolutely. It's really nice actually. I'm seeing the um, just the remnants of shows that I've seen over the last few days. Yeah. And that's quite, yeah, it's like being in a, an elephant's graveyard of performance. Yeah, and I like how you've got your little record player that you use in your show as kind of like a microphone <laughs> stand for us today. It feels quite fitting that you've got kind of this old technology of playing records combined with a tiny little microphone recorder <laughs> on top. It's like old meets new. Yeah, that's how we roll. Yeah, <laughs> big style. Um, so before we begin, can I ask, as I ask um, all my guests, would you mind just saying how you identify? Yeah, sure. So I identify as female or trans woman, um, she, her pronouns. Um, but it's kind of a, it's a, it's a big thing I've been thinking about recently. It's like... Even though I am a trans woman, I'm definitely binary trans. I would still categorise myself as non-binary, mm-hmm. in a way. Mm. Um, just because I don't fit in with this binary constructed system yeah, that yeah. everyone's using. So whenever I try and explain that to people, they kind of go, what are you talking about? And mm. I'm just like, like just, just stick with she, her, and th- that'll be fine. But yeah. I tend to find trans people and gender non-conforming folk get that mm-hmm. a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I find myself defining. Okay. But then everything's fluid, it could change again and Absolutely. It's just wonderful. You know, like I was listening to your, your previous podcast mm-hmm. about the binary and a lot of that was kinda of speaking to me because it's mm-hmm. like these are things I have been thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um I think pronoun wise I've got no issues if people use gender neutral pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um but prefer the the, the she her. Yeah. I was having this conversation I mean it's so great being at this festival and see, I mean, I've been coming for the last three years with the None of Us Is Yet A Robot project. So like two, well, no, that's, yeah, this is the third year. So two years ago was the first time I did anything, I performed anything that spoke about being transgender and that that was here and I had such a huge, huge, hugely warm response. 
but it's interesting that two years later how much work there is going on this year around gender and gender identity and how many like non-binary performers there are yeah. um, in the festival. I was speaking with um, with someone earlier on about you know ex- exactly this about this kind of non-binary being an option now, which didn't necessarily feel like feel that it was um, when I was coming out as trans or when I was fig- figuring that out. I think the visibility around non-binary has kind of really helped with that. I think non-binary has kind of been there. I know people that define as non-binary, but for years they defined as trans-masculine or, mm. or, or as male because that was easier to explain for mm-hmm. people. But I think the more this kind of gender zeitgeist is happening at the moment, you know, it, it feels like gender is everywhere, yeah, which yeah. is great because, yeah. you know, there's barriers getting smashed down left, right and centre. But non-binary identities, I think, were something that was too much for people to handle mm-hmm. previously. But I'm glad to see that there is more chatter around yeah. this because it's it's important. Like, people are, are, are becoming aware of binary trans which is good that's kind of mm. like your little taster that's yeah. like your little sushi roll now to go on to the the, the massive platter of everything that exists yeah. so it, it's, it's really fascinating like it's the more and more people i speak to that are non-binary like even i'm learning you mm. know because when i came out non-binary was something i'd never heard of Mm-mm. yeah in fact nobody's ever born into terminology there comes a yeah, point yeah. where you're like what's this phrase what's that phrase yeah, yeah of course and i think when you're trans you've really got to go on a steep learning curve because mm-hmm. if you don't kind of at least know a little bit about what you're talking about yeah trying to explain that to your cis pals and stuff mm-hmm. it gets really muddy and then yeah, they yeah. get confused and it causes you more issues yeah, as well yeah i think i mean that someone said to me really early on you know you're going to be constantly asking answering questions mm-hmm. now and that role of a kind of an, an educator even you know whether you want it whether you want to be or not on the days when you don't want to be on the days when you do like people are constantly there's an expectation that you're going to provide that that answers or some kind of answers um and and then really quickly like it's discovering that you can only talk for yourself as well because there's so much diversity and even among the terminology yeah like how rapidly that changes and things come in and out of um of fashion I mean, what's the, so this is the first kind of conversation, conversation I've had outside of London and Brighton, um, which is, you know, where, where I'm based. What's, what's it like being trans up in Glasgow? Um, it's interesting, actually, being trans in Glasgow, I've gone through a few various stages. Um, when I first came out, as coming out, like I spent a, a fair amount of time kind of living part time. Right. Um, I make no secret about it. I was about 16 months on hormones before I went full time. Mm-hmm. So I was presenting male at work during the day and yeah. female after work. So that was a big mental mm-hmm. turmoil. And I spent a very long time looking for the scene in Glasgow, yeah. so if you want of a better phrase. There's um, an area of Glasgow known as the Merchant City where there's a couple of pubs and it's categorically known as Gay Town. Mm-hmm. That's as it always is, you know? Um, and initially trying to find people and support groups and that, there was nothing. Mm. There was really very little. Things have kind of got a little bit better. For me personally, I think a lot of that came from when I started doing kind of YouTube and vlogging yeah. and making videos and mm-hmm. kind of meeting people who are into the queer film and art scene here. Yeah, and that okay. was kind of my gateway in. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we're okay for healthcare in Scotland, actually. Like, I always speak to people and they're always like, well, you're not annoyed about this with NHS and that. You have yeah. to remember our NHS has devolved. Mm-hmm. We still have issues. There's still massive waiting times. I think the Sandy Ford here is 13 months. And, you know, they've got their own support group. But 
There was that one and another one which just recently shut down and it just happened to be that situation where it was mostly older transitioners. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I went along to one early in my transition and they were telling me, that's not how you act feminine, you need to dress like this. And I'm like, at the time when you're very scared and fresh out the closet, you're like, oh, okay, Mm. I'll listen to what you say. It takes time for you to build up that resilience to people telling you this is how you should act because you've been so used to it your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. Um... But once, once I personally found that confidence, there was a great scene out there and there was people doing stuff and there was now like a monthly meetup, mm-hmm. And that's great. really great to see actually because that didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, there was nothing for, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you open the door, everything's in front of you, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, last year we had Squiff, which is like a, a film festival. It's a queer arts and film festival, um, which was their first session. And I think going to that and meeting people there in that mm-hmm. scene, because I am yourself a creative person like making films you know worked in media for years so opening those doors definitely brought a better quality of trans life for me here Mm -hmm. um but i do know people that don't get involved in that scene and they say they find it quite hard so it's finding that balance i feel like there's a difference in in the gaze that i'm met with here and it's it's every time i've come up to glasgow it's struck me and again I, i don't know whether that's about a difference between Scotland and England or if it's the difference between Glasgow and London and the way that people look at you know look at you again I was talking about this earlier on with um with Rosanna from from the festival but um you know I do feel that people don't hide their 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 gaze and the hide, hide the fact that they're, that they're really looking in the same way as down in London people tend to maybe be a bit more like no one's looking at anyone anyway, so everyone's just in their own in their own world. But then again, like I'm, what I get confused now is whether that's about trans or whether that's just because I'm wearing like bright colours or like I'm you know at totally. an arts festival where everyone's dressed in um, you know beautifully, but very aware that we're dressed differently to how a lot of the people in the local area are. Um, so yeah, I can imagine if you don't have access to to a, a scene, a queer scene, then you might feel very isolated here. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because like I've never really felt that at queer events. I've actually tend to have found them to be a lot safer and mm-hmm. a lot a lot easier on that. I think there is that kind of Glasgow mentality of we say what we think and yeah, you know, <laughs> and it's it's no bad thing because at least you know where you stand. It can sometimes verge into slightly insulting, but you make that judgment call: are they being insulting out of naivety or mm. are they actually just being a bit of a dick? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I've had kind of had both up here. A great example would be I was out with Sam Fader. Do you know who Sam Fader is? Who made the Kate Bonesland? Yeah, film. so yeah. so they came up to, to, to hang out for a week or so and we went out to a club in Glasgow called the Polo Lounge. And we were outside and you know, end of the night and this overtly camp gay guy comes up to us and goes, Oh yeah, what do you do? And like, oh yeah, we're filmmakers. Oh, what kind of films? Oh, we make stuff about transgender people. And he goes, my friend does transgender. I was like, what? <laughs> so he calls his friend over and it turns out his friend does panto dame. Okay. Um, he's like, oh yes, I love to transgender. Like, oh, so are you transgendering today? And we we're like, uh, but we just found it hilarious yeah, as yeah. to, because you could tell that there was no malice in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we make jokes now. It's like, oh yes, I'm transgendering. I need to have an intervention <laughs> for all this transgendering that I'm doing. Like, stop, stop it. Um, but on the flip side of that, the, my first Pride event in Glasgow that I went to, which was Glasgow Pride, I remember, you know, what it's like fresh out the closet. Mm-hmm. You know, you've not had any laser. It was pre-HRT. And someone just turning around and going, um, 
literally standing right behind my back. What's with all the bad TRA yeah, around yeah. here, you know? And I was like, that's it, not what you And that's to. someone who's marching, who's, who's within the, the pride, as opposed to someone who's just a member yeah, of the public. Yeah, just a spectator, yeah. And yeah. Uh, once again, it's kind of a assumed Suski guy from the, their appearance. So, mm. like I say, there is that kind of mixture in Glasgow of finding that di- I think it translates everywhere I mean you're down yeah. in Brighton in London mm. and I have found that when I've travelled through London nobody really looks at you yeah. because they are it's like none of their business yeah, it's yeah. quite antisocial Brighton I loved but my experience of Brighton was trans pride yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you know that's once again different mm-hmm. to living there full time mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um, and there's definitely a difference when, as you say when there are these moments of pride events or arts events that you kind of step outside of like the normal rules don't apply yeah i mean i feel you know just today and seeing work and seeing work made by people from different backgrounds and um the care that everyone's taking over over each other within this building within this community building in the Mm -hmm. in the middle of govern it's just like i wish i wish it was everywhere i wish it was everywhere completely all the time um i tend to find though with events like this it it cements this little idea in my head that I sometimes feel really bad for cisgender society that they've not been able to pull back this, like, I think of it like a wee cling film layer mm. of reality because once you actually kind of accept yourself and start coming to events like this and seeing uh, different identifications and seeing how happy people are in mm. themselves and, mm. like, how this binary system, like, it's something that's been playing in my mind a lot recently, is quite flawed in a way. Mm. I kind of feel bad for people that don't have these experiences. Like, it's rich that we're in the heart of Govan because if you'd have been trans, visibly trans, in the heart of Govan two, three years ago, mm. you'd have been attacked. I used to work here right. around the corner and people were being stabbed just coming home from work. Right. So it's, it's really fascinating to see that we have this yeah. in the heart of an area that mm. was quite bad at least welcoming and accepting like a queer arts festival yeah. it, it shows a sign of progress it's slow but it's a sign absolutely I mean I think it's I don't know what the experience would be to be back here next week mm. um, when there isn't that context but I mean it's definitely it's really good to have the context of um, you know a buzz cut happening here um, yeah for sure have you seen much at the festival? You know, I, I haven't. I've been really busy. I had a friend's day. I saw your show, though, as, <laughs> as you know. If you haven't seen Emma's feel... show, really check it out. Um, I've been to quite a lot of kind of performance art events in Glasgow. I know a lot of people go to Glasgow School of Art, yeah. so I've had a chance to, you know, go to all sorts of art things. Mm. And um, it really kind of struck me, your show, as I said to you before we started recording, I think you said that, obviously, you've had people that aren't trans, you've had, you know, cis people, uh, people with disabilities, and everyone says that they've found a way to connect to it. Mm. But what you were saying is that the radical act is to live and the radical act is to heal. I was like, yeah. Like, mm. I remember you saying that, and uh, my pal and I were just sitting going, she's spot on, you know? And yeah. it, it, it is true. It's like, people think, I'm sick of people always going, oh, you're so brave. Yeah. You're so brave. Yeah, you transitioned, yeah. you're so brave. Like... It's not really bravery, it's necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, the alternatives don't even come back into the equation anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, we all know that. Do I transition or do I mm-hmm. disappear off the face of the planet? Um, so I've not had much to, to check out here, but I have checked out kind of quite a, a few things around town. Yeah. There's a lot going on at the moment. There's a lot going on, and there's another festival this weekend as well, isn't there, I think? Yeah, GI's on at the moment, which is Glasgow International. Okay. Um, 
which I've got tickets for some of that stuff. And then we've got the Radical, Unradical Film Conference, um, which is, again is just kind of queer filmmaking mm. and stuff that goes against the greater mainstream. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that's next weekend. It's great. You get so much good stuff off in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. People say that. But like I say, two, three years ago, there wasn't really this right scene here. It's been like a core group of people that have kind of bandied together to start building this up. Mm. And it's kind of snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if I think back, I think we've got the CCA in town, which is the Centre of Contemporary Arts, and a lot of the events kind of centre around there because they're really good at mm. facilitating everything and they're great for accessibility. And I think that's really helped having a couple of venues that everyone now knows that's a safe space. If there's an yeah. event there by these people, yeah, we can go there, we can network, and people are starting to come up with their own little pop up events. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and that's where the, the scenes definitely developed three, four years ago, I would say. And did you grow up in Glasgow? Um, are you are you like a native? Kind of. I'm originally from Prestwick, which is about an hour away from mm-hmm. here. We've got the airport. <laughs> um, and then when I was about 17, 18, I moved to Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Lived here for a year or so. Ran out of money. Moved home. Right. Saved up, went backpacking. Um, and then I lived in Liverpool. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time. I travelled down Europe, went to Liverpool, and then got to that point where I was like, right, I need to transition. Mm-hmm. And I knew the system up here. I knew the Sandyford, and I've got my, my, my kind of school friends yeah. that are t- completely cool with me here. Cool. So I was like, I need that support network. Yeah, so absolutely. Pack my bag, arrived with nothing, and just started rebuilding my life in yeah. Glasgow. Yeah. And was that when you were, you said you were working in the day, being... Male presenting. Male presenting, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And then female at night. Like, what, can I, can I ask more about that? Because yeah. I think... For me, it was a very gradual thing, and that there were definitely there was definitely this pe- a period where I where I would make a decision on what clothes to wear based on what might be easier for the for the day. And I remember really clearly like the last time I did that, going to a, I had to go to a conference and present some stuff, and just being like, oh, you know what? It's just not worth mm-hmm. the bother. I'll use my old name. I'll wear these clothes, and it's just easier. Um, shh, don't tell the NHS that that's what goes on. You yeah. know, but um. But it was funny that period of doing that because I've, I have never felt like two people. I've never had like a split personality. Oh, and this is, this is my Emma persona and this is my other persona, mm. my male persona. And now, you know, oh, Emma gets to live like, you know, hashtag Danish girl. Yeah. Bullshit. Oh, God. <laughs> um, it, okay, it's never been like that. It's like, well, no, I've always been, I mean, it's what I talk about in my show. Like it's one continuous line and there, to try and dictate okay well this was the point when it went from man to woman to whatever is something that people who are into that um binary system want to enforce but because of having to live in that um in that way for that period of time i did feel this like weird split focus and it was like at this Mm. point of trying to at this point of like everything being really confused and conflicted that i did end up having this split personality but how was that for you it was weird. It was very weird and it was very, very gradual. I was watching some old videos that are completely private and no one else will ever see that I was filming of myself pre-first appointment. Mm. Um, and when I came back to Glasgow, I made a conscious decision that I would tell people that I identified as a gay guy. Okay. Because I felt in myself that that would be easier if I wanted to kind of dress androgynally one day mm-hmm. or, you know, I'd, 
I went to one job, so I worked for the gas board for about six months mm-hmm. and got the sack because it was sales and I couldn't be that forceful yeah. on people. And went to a call centre dealing with cancellations. And I made the decision on the first day there to be wearing foundation. Mm-hmm. And just foundation. Mm-hmm. And people used to say to me, what's with the foundation? I was like, oh yeah, I just yeah. kind of hate my skin. But I was doing all these little things that I thought when I come out, mm-hmm. this is going to make it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and someone had said to me one day that they'd actually seen me on a night out. I was like, oh yeah, I do a little bit of drag. You bit, know? A bit of transgendering. Uh, yeah, a bit of transgendering. <laughs> I was out transgendering last night, please. Um... But the, the, the day job I found really hard because I was having to go in and, you know, use my dead name and use the lower end of my mm. register and for all intensive purposes, not only pretend to be kind of male, but also like a gay guy at the mm. same time. So it was, it was really confusing and, you know, people would kind of question once I started HRT, where are you going? Because I was forever going for hospital appointments right, for, right. for laser or yeah, kick yeah. appointments and... The, the boy that sat next to me, I remember him saying to me, are, are you dying? <laughs> I was like, pardon? He's like, yeah. well, you know, you going for hospital appointments and yeah, your face yeah. is all red and blotchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I just kind of, I think it was around the one year mark, a boy in the team, one of the young boys that had just recently started, and you know what they're like, you know, he's 16, 17, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, playfully came up and he gave me a nipple cripple. A year on HRT, you oh can imagine the noise that came out of my mouth. Like, everyone in the call centre just kind of looked oh, at Jesus. me. And then he looked at me, and I was like, right. And he's like, do you have boobs? I was like, something I need to tell. So I told my close team at that uh-huh. point, look, I'm going through this. I'm not ready for work yet. This is where I've been disappearing, yeah, yeah. but this will be my name. And then gradually, a couple of months later, they all just started using so. I asked everyone just to call me K, mm-hmm. which was kind of the, the shortened version. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, and stuff. And I was kind of practicing my voice on the phone with customers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd get a little kick out of them gendering me correctly on yeah, the phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then going home at night. So that, that whole thing of flipping between me, because nobody else in the, in, in the call centre really knew. Mm. Um, and then going home at night. And then it came to the second summer. And it was roasting. It yeah. was really warm. It was one of those heat wave summers and I'd always been wearing big jumpers to yeah, hide yeah. everything. And I remember just going, oh, I can't continue with this. Mm-hmm. So dressed down Fridays, just, you know, started to dress proper androgynous. Yeah. And I remember one of the girls in another team saying, Sharon said that there's something different about you. She likes it, but there's <laughs> something different about you. Turns out she's, she was a lesbian. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's when I was like, okay, things are starting to happen. Then one of my close friends was planning to leave and mm. I was like, right, I need to just do this. It's, it's getting too far. I'm getting sick of this flip-flopping, uh, yeah. you know. If I'm going to do it, at least I've got a really good pal here to support me yeah, because we're all yeah. the first day at work can be like. Um, and then I kind of came out and everyone was kind of okay. There was a couple of muffled voices, mm. but they got silenced because coming out at work actually took four months, not on mm. my part. I went to them and said, right, here's what's happening, ready to do this. Yeah. But the the manager, the, the area manager as such, kept saying, right, we've got you an appointment with HR. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever happened, nothing happened. And he said, yeah. nope, definitely this Friday. So yeah. I said, okay, by this point I was, you know, you, you could just look at me, I was wearing like a tie and protest and pretty much everything was like, yeah. you know, female pantsuits and everything. Um... It didn't so, there, so there was a dress code that you were having to... Well, it was business dress, okay. you know, and then, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday was casual mm-hmm. clothes. Um, so I was wearing kind of female pant dress and stuff, um, 
during the week and then mm. you know skinny jeans vest tops yeah. and things were I was even wearing a bra at one point yeah, you know yeah. like it was pretty obvious by that point we came to that Friday where I was starting to lose my tether manager had taken the day off right decided nope went down to HR myself well there's nothing booked in I kicked up an absolute stink yeah like literally I just stormed upstairs on the floor stood up mm-hmm. in the chair and went everyone I'm trans Tuesday this is my name I went back and managers are rushing over. What are you doing? What are you doing? I was like, wow. this place is discriminatory. The next day, got called in on my day off. Everything was changed like that. Wow. Because it was. Yeah, you know, yeah. I told them, like, this is ridiculous and all that. Are you going to use the disabled toilet? I went, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> Why should I? Yeah. You know? And I think that's where I started to find my fight. Because it wasn't simple. Yeah. That's where I started to be like, right, okay, I'm getting really annoyed yeah, with this. Yeah. Um, and after I came out, lots of people said, this makes sense for your actions mm-hmm. because I had been, for want of a better word, an absolute bitch on the phone. There was mm. times where I'd throw my headset across the call centre because people were shouting at me yeah. and I didn't know how to handle these new emotions. Yeah. You know, and people were like that, oh, <laughs> what's she like? You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and they just thought I was genuinely an angry person. So once I came out, lots of people went, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Wow, that's such an intense experience. Like, you know, you, you said at one point then, like, oh, you know, and, and you know what first day it works like. And I feel like I don't have, I, I genuinely haven't had that experience at all because this is my work is, mm. is to, to make performance and to be around, you know, this kind of environment. And so there's been fearful points of coming. I mean, I guess my moment was two years ago at Buzzcut with this piece that I've made standing in front of a room full of people and delivering a show that was talk, that talked about yeah. coming out. But in the context of like, okay, you've come in, I've got an hour to talk to you, the lights are on me, mm-hmm. this outside is not a safe space, but in this room it is a safe space. And I got, I mean, the, the, the most affirming round of applause at the end of that was, was just incredible. And that was before I'd started HRT or anything. But um, so, I, I mean, to go through all of that in, a, in the setting of a call centre, mm. um, and in that environment that's, that's so gendered and to have to negotiate those things with through HR and stuff. I mean, I can't... It was a, it was a mission, but I think what you're saying is that you've never had that first day at work thing, mm. but I think with, with the call centre, you know, it's mm. three, four hundred eyes watching something that they've never seen slowly come yeah. in for our first day, but it's no different a feeling than the first time you kind of maybe wear a dress amongst your friends or whatever, yeah, yeah. or when you come out to your pals, it's still yeah. got that feeling. It's just... You're in an office environment where if things are getting too much, you can't just get you up and go outside. Go. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I did do that in the first mm-hmm. couple of days because, and they weren't for arguing because I had them over a barrel by that point. Yeah. Um, which was quite, not quite good. It felt that was really powerful for me. That's mm. when I was like, hold on a minute. Um, up until that point, I'd been quite weak and challenging things. Mm-hmm. But I think when you, like I say, when you have to take that stand or mm-hmm. when you take that deep breath and you go out, and you go, right, that was scary. Yeah. But afterwards, the adrenaline rush is like, yeah. I, I'm empowered. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, for you to, to do the show that you do, and, you know, for, fair enough, in the, in the, the first session coming out and going, hey, everyone, you know, that's mm. some way to come out and go, hey, everyone, I'm trans, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, obviously, you, you, you do the scene where you're, you're transforming, you've got the clay in your bra, mm-hmm. and that all comes through, and, like, that that's a powerful image. I've mm. seen a few... Uh, spoken word events or been to a few events with trans people that have actually just been really gutsy enough mm. um a couple of a, um afab assigned female at birth trans guys who've actually gone up without having had top surgery and mm. gone 
these are my breasts, they're a man's breasts. Yeah, yeah. You know, what? and and that kind of stuff, and that's amazing. That's yeah. I'm loving seeing this kind of message being sent out. Absolutely. Moment, well, know? I mean, it's, it, I was talking with um, an artist here, Jack um, Soroka, who had a piece on on Wednesday, which was which was looking at this. We were talking this morning, and I mean, I, and I said in another podcast, like this, I, this idea of, of saying my penis is a female penis. This is my body. This is mm. a woman's body. Just be, and it is because I because I am. Thank you, Ian McEwen. Oh. You know, yeah. comments last people like, well, I don't think that a woman can have a penis. Well, just because you don't think it, you know, like it's. I'm I'm really enjoying. This and I think it's really important that we are we are moving away from um, this conveyor belt towards surgery. Like I mean, I think people who opt in to have surgery is that's that's also great. You know, you do what you need to do, and there are no judgments at all. But I think what's great is that there is now an option to not do that. And um, I want to just throw in um, our topic for today because oh, yeah. oh sorry oh, no, hello no, no. Sorry. no come right. in we're. We're recording a podcast, but oh. obviously this is where people's props and things are, so if you need to grab stuff... <laughs> I was just see. checking if there was a, um, a mirror here. There, there is. is. Do you want to take so it? This is great. Is there, is that, take it out? Yeah. Do you know... Is that yours? Or do you know it's just been in here, I think. I don't okay. know who it belongs to, but it's been usefully there. Cool. I'm going to put it in that room, because I think Catherine needs it. Yeah, for sure. That is the Ooh, most sensational jacket. It is an amazing jacket. It's Phoebe, but I saw it and I was like, Phoebe, I'm going to wear that one <laughs> Yeah, sorry about interrupting. No, that's cool. We, we are in a public space. It's fine. Oh, cool. <laughs> I could put a little sign here, though, being um, like, there's something being recorded, just like knock or something. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Um, so, anyway, well, this is a perfect um, wipe, to use, you know, TV terms. Yeah, oh, take from, from one scene to another. Um, um, so, our topic that was given by the previous, um, by Rhiannon, who I was speaking to, yeah, election. was election. Um, and all I can think about initially is what's going on in America at the moment because this is like the most public election things that are kind of ha- that, that are happening. But it's funny that you say that <laughs> because my initial word when I thought election and then a trans-based podcast was actually Ireland. Okay. Because I, now I may be wrong with this because with politics I get a little bit confused, but I think it's the Green Party. Mm. Um, over there, Ellen Murray yeah. is standing for election, yeah, which is a trans woman standing for election yeah. in Ireland, which if you look at Ireland three, four years ago again, and you'd be like, what? Where's she, where she based? Is she Northern, Northern Ireland? Ireland. Yeah. yeah, it's Northern Ireland. It's um, <clears throat> Belfast. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah, yeah. that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then obviously the, the other side of the Atlantic as well is what's going on. America... It seems that America is going backwards in time. Yeah. Really, really quickly. And it's quite worrying how quickly that's happening. Um, I mean, you've got... Well, one side you've got Hillary, and the other side you've got Trump at the moment, mm. which looks like that's going to be the, mm-hmm. the race. And it's not even worth thinking about what happens if yeah. Trump gets in. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think as a kind of... Because I don't know so much about... I'm just going to push this to you. Um, I don't know so much about... Um, well, let's get into the kind of the individual, the individual nature of, of that particular race, but just mm. in terms of um, what it represents and seems to represent globally, like, so we've been talking about this great kind of, there's more diversity, here we are in this festival, like this big opening up, 
And what also seems to be happening is this rise of the right, you know, and the mm. English Defence League are marching this weekend in, yeah. um, in High Wycombe, where some of my family live. And, you know, you've got this, this Trump kind of cartoon message. And I'm just, I mean, it, it scares me because what happens, what, what happens throughout history, you look at these times when there is a liberal surge mm-hmm. and often it's like the it's just the violence like it's it's not that it gets met let's talk about this okay we're going to choose to go in this way it's that the tactics of the right tend to be tend to be violent and i'm you know i we're of a similar generation and i think i was brought up with news round and yeah. new peter and mm-hmm. you know the, yeah, that, to- your, your that told me that badge. these things were when you know when we're done with and i think I do feel horribly lied to by the world. Um, but, I, you know, I was talking, again, this bathroom bill that has just passed. Mm-hmm. And, okay, to bring bathrooms into a trans podcast, there was a time when the bathroom thing wasn't a big deal for me. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, why do all these trans people talk about bathrooms? And then there was a time when it was a big deal for me, like yeah. a really big deal for me. And then there's kind of a time now where it's not so much of a big deal again. And I feel okay. And I feel that at the very, you know, the very worst that's going to happen is I'm going to get read as a trans person and someone's going to understand why I'm in the mm. female toilet. But then this, you know, this bill, I mean, as it's been called the bathroom bill, obviously it affects a lot more stuff coming into effect in North Carolina and this morning this post that I saw on Facebook that Bruce um, Springsteen has yeah. come out and said he's cancelling his concert mm. in protest against it which is absolutely wonderful um, for him I think that is wonderful but at the same time it worries me when I it's great to see all these companies and all these famous celebrities and people going like I'm not going to come to North Carolina I'm not going to go mm. here because of these bills but then Partly worries like you were saying about, about the right, this backlash. It's like, I didn't get to see Bruce Springsteen because of trans people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, if people are thinking that we're trying to go into bathrooms to molest or, mm. or, or murder or whatever, then that's what they're going to think, in my opinion. You know, and that's... You cancelled Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> trans people are responsible for cancelling yeah, yeah. Bruce Springsteen. Um, so it, it's, it's mixed. I think it's... it's great it's progressive and I think more people do it but mm. I, I really worry about all the trans people in America this is the thing like they're focusing on trans women in women's bathrooms but none of them seem to have clicked that trans men exist mm. you know um, and what they're saying is that you've got I don't overly agree with the pictures that I've seen on the internet of trans men and trans women in the opposite bathroom going, do you really want us to be here? Mm. I understand the message, but at the same time, I think it's giving them fodder. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's a mix and it's, of... And it also becomes about appearance then, and it becomes mm. about, you know... It, it's, it's problematic to, to, to be saying, well, it's about how do you look. Hiya. Sorry, I'm that's, sorry. That's okay. Do you need to get something? Uh, apparently it's not here. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> Thank you. Um... Yeah, the the thing of do you want someone who doesn't look appropriate for this space to be in this space? Well, there's plenty of trans women mm. who don't have a privilege of passing or being yeah. read as as um as what they would like to be, and there's plenty of non-binary people who exactly. you know are, are then going to be. So it's not about the visual thing. So I, I agree with you. I think it's the wrong, you know, it's it's a mixed it's a mixed bag that approach. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it, it's a funny one. It's something I spoke about actually fairly recently in a video that I, I released of that. Yep, there are people out there who, and it kind of ties back into something you were saying earlier. There are people out there who don't have an option. You know, like HRT or whatever. You know, it's 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 done their thing and they're not got the results they like, and for mm. whatever reason they're still being read. Mm. Um, and then there are people that are just like. If you know what, I'm trans and I'm cool with that and I'm open with it. Yeah. You've got non-binary, you've got queer yeah. identifying people. And again, that ties into what you're saying about this finish line of surgery. Mm. You know, now that that's kind of curbing back, people are going, well, if that's not the goal, then passing doesn't have to be a goal mm. either. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm a bit of a hypocrite for saying that because I'm quite aware of my privilege and, you know, people have said to me, look, you're, you're passing or cis-presenting or whatever. I'm like, cool, but mm. if you ever actually meet me, then you realise that I give that away quite quickly because most of the time I'm throwing my voice up and down the register yeah, and saying yeah. stuff and people, I have had people say to me, why do you do that when you can just blend with that? Why should I? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I spent so long worrying about that and it kept my house bound, mm-hmm. but once I stopped worrying about that, I was yeah. like, yeah, so what? Fuck it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I, I've made, made a decision not to, not to worry about that as far as I can. And I do worry about it. I actually had a really bad morning. What am I talking about? That's bullshit. I worry about it all the time. <laughs> had a really anxious morning today um, and was hit by panic attacks leaving the house and stuff. But I'm, you know, but I'm not changing my voice. And I can't mm-hmm. be, I really can't be bothered to. And I don't want to. And I like my voice and yeah. I perform. And, you know, I think it has changed through, through use. But, you know, yeah, to, to, to do that for other people's benefit. Um, I think with the voice thing, it's important to say that with me, it's like, I like having situations where people don't know. Like, there is that kind of niceness mm. where I, I can just get on with being Kate. Yeah. Um, you know, like, your your women in the shop or whatever, or, or a taxi driver, they yeah, don't need yeah. to know anything. You mm-hmm. know, they just need to say, right, Hen, where are you going and drop me off? Yeah, you know? Yeah. In social circles, it's a little bit different. Mm. And then sometimes it opens up the questions, and like you were saying, sometimes you feel like you've got to be you know, encyclopedia trans. Mm-hmm. Um, and other times, uh, people are just like, and I remember the first time this happened, I was like, are you trans? I was like, yeah, and they like, all right, that's good. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you want a drink? And I was, I was waiting on the questions, yeah, yeah. and they were like, no, 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 it's cool, you're doing your thing. And yeah. I was like, that's a big shift. Yeah, that is it's a big shift. It's weird when these things happen mm-hmm. to you, because you're so used to you, you know, you say I'm trans, and someone pulls out all the questions mm-hmm. under the sun, have you had the up? What was your name before? <laughs> You know, and you're just like, none of your business, none of your business, yeah. and none of your business. <laughs> so for someone to actually understand it's none of their business, yeah. is a bit of a slap yeah. across the face. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is a, that is a shift that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why I just, like, <clears throat> this this thing again in, in America feels like, I'm sure it's not the first pushback, this is a very privileged England-centric way of looking at it, but, you know, it's certainly a a big pushback against mm. that. It's so, you know, here we have North Carolina saying, actually, no. And this, you know, I was, um, prior to coming in here, I asked my friend Griffin to explain it to me, who is American. Um, and this has come in response to a bill that gave LGBT rights to people in, in, at work. And mm. this is a pushback against that. Yeah. And you're thinking, wow, hang on, you're pushing back against this this isn't this isn't how it's supposed to happen which i think dragging us back towards election is why you know this extreme where elections suddenly become about they're not about the bland middle ground oh god well it doesn't i don't care who i vote for because they're all the same you're like <coughs> no shit you know the difference between trump and 
Hillary Clinton, even Hillary Clinton, who's like, you know, middle of the road, yeah. is wide. That difference is, you know, mm. is wide. And let's, even before you're looking at the people who are then on the left, with your Bernie Sa- um, Sanders. But, and that, that just frightens me. It frightens me for what, what's going to come over here next. Yeah, I think with, with America as well, you know, we had Laverne Cox on the mm-hmm. cover of Time. I think it was labelled something like the trans tipping point. Yeah. It feels like we've pushed it up the hill and it's tipped over the hill and just gone back down to where we started and shattered into a thousand pieces. <laughs> um, I think in Britain, though, we that won't translate as much over here. I think, that, you know, there's a bit more... I want to say rationale, but I can't think of the right words. You know, there's... With America, it's... Everything's hyper in America. Mm. You know, there's no such thing as kind of like calm, rational sense. It's either all angry or all love. <laughs> like, there's... And I think that just comes from culture. I think it's definitely a culture thing. Mm. Um, a friend of mine who studied at school in America, she was always saying that, you know, they drove this idea of individuality into you, but only if the individuality was what they told you was individuality, mm-hmm. you know? Um, in the UK, I think... Well, in Scotland, <laughs> in Scotland, you know, we've been told that we're going to be able to get self-definition in the next parliament and non-binary is going to be valid options as well. That was announced on TDOF this year. This is amazing. So lots of people wanting to move to Scotland now. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm thinking about buying a street and just setting up like a triangle <laughs> or something, you know? Um, so yeah, we're getting... So this happening in Scotland is going to filter down to England, yeah. which I think is a great thing. This pushback in America, I don't know what the solution is there. Mm. I really don't. And it's worrying as well, you know, like... It's not just worrying for the fact that I'm scared for people who live and work in America and that's their their thing, but what if we have to go to America? Mm. As soon as we go to America, we're being put in danger as as tourists as well, you know? And it's not even about bathrooms. It's about, you know, if... You own a business over there and a lesbian or gay couple come in, you can refuse to serve them, mm. you can sack someone for being gay. It's, it's, yeah. it's a human rights issue and mm. that's the mm. thing. It's, I read an article in the New York Times saying that with the number of deaths in New York, it's becoming a national crisis, mm-hmm. the situation around yeah. LGBT rights, yeah. you know. Come in. Hey, Ray. Um... Ray has just walked into the room, who we'll be recording uh, the next podcast with. So, oh, you know, amazing. a little Hi. sneak Hi. preview. Ray, this is Kate. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice. If you need We're to get stuff, just, car- <laughs> just do what you need. See you later. Um, um, yeah, what was I saying? So, yeah, so human rights session is, it's, it's becoming a bit of an epidemic there. And I don't know enough about American politics to know how this is fixed. Mm. Because from what I vaguely understand is that in America you've got overall laws. So it's illegal in all 50 states to discriminate, but now these new bills are coming in under local jurisdiction yeah, that allows them to is. override that. Yeah. It's like, where does that logic come from? Yeah, yeah. Like, we've said as a country, this is what's happening. But, you know, just go do your own thing. Yeah, yeah, like. absolutely. It's, could you yeah. imagine that here? Like, say you were in Glasgow here and... You know, the festival's going on and everything's cool. Mm-hmm. And then you go up to Edinburgh, up the road, and they were like, oh, you know, you're trans, you can't yeah, come yeah. into Edinburgh. You yeah. know, you'd be like... Oh. And I guess it does happen. Like, you know, that, that's going back to the experience of being maybe inside this building where the festival's happening and there is one way of being and being mm. with people and respecting people. And then you step outside the door and you're in Govan and the rules are different there. Yeah. And, not, you know, not to say that 
I have experienced anything negative because I haven't actually. Um, but you know, you go then into the town around the art school and the rules are different again. Yeah, completely. But I think, you know, what's happening in, in the States is that this is being defended by law. And, you know, that's what's, that's what's frightening about that. Um, and, you know, the ele- election part of that is that this is people voting for it. You know, this, know. The, you know it's, it's not coming from the, necessarily the elite. It's being backed up. Because that's, you know, the surprise for, for me for Trump is that it, it has sustained. And I mean, you know, fucking media, all of the stuff. Like, it's the, it's the same issue as, we've had, as we had over here with UKIP, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's like they're given so much press and publicity that that actually generates a momentum but you know there are still people who are who are going out and voting for it and that's that that that's the thing as well that people and that's something that i'm quite quite stout about and people always think i'm, I'm a bit you know too intense with this but there's a lot of people who don't get their information by researching or reading mm. a paper or reading articles to read headlines on clickbait articles you see it on facebook mm. with videos now they're all block videos with big white letters at yeah. the top saying you won't believe what happened yeah, and yeah, watching yeah. it's like what happened yeah. um, and a lot of the representation in TV and stuff so they will form their opinion based on what is just being spoon fed to them mm-hmm. in the TV um, and it's good that in America at least there are programs like I watched The Daily Show did a sketch this week mm-hmm. actually that was quite good and it was talking about how ridiculous this is and you know that there are people that I, I picture The Daily Show and Stephen Colbert to be a bit like when people watch Have I Got News For You over here, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that kind of thing, uh, the last leg, where they get, okay, so that person's point of view is that this is ludicrous, so that's my point of view, hmm. you yeah. know? But if they're seeing all these programs on Fox News and, you know, one of the main people supporting this, it turns out, is not only a local electorate person or, or what their version of an MP is, but they're also a pastor. And the hmm. thing they were saying is that you know, like, once again, we're trying to get in there and we're trying to kid people and, you know, we're looking to molest children. But at the same time, there was a news story today saying that a Republican can uh, a Republican had been arrested for molesting yeah. children in a male bathroom. So when are we going to stop them going into bathrooms? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's... it's, well, it's ne- yeah, never. <laughs> exactly. It's all just based on uninformed opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you're never going to be able to change everyone's opinion, but when people in power that have the ability to create these really ridiculous bills and mm. laws aren't being clued up on it. I mean, this uninformed, I mean, this is like, you know, Ian, Ian McEwan's comments last week, and I have a friend who's a um, sociologist who sent me an email, best friend from school actually, and really brilliantly sent me an email going, oh, I've just seen this. What, what's your opinion on it? Because I haven't made up my mind, so I was able to like write to him, but this kind of vogue for it being okay to say this is my uninformed opinion um, and that becomes something that's newsworthy mm. uh, and acceptable to talk about I sometimes wonder if these articles that are coming out I think uh, what was it was it the son of the Daily Mail <laughs> McCune wrote for yeah. uh, one of them I part of me sometimes wonders if they're just trolling us for stats and figures because we tend to generate a lot of chatter mm-hmm. as the trans communities as such or activists we i think tend to generate a lot more chatter about this than i think cis yeah, yeah. people would so i sometimes I, I don't have any foundation for this it's still extremely harmful and ridiculous things to say but there is a small part of me that's starting to look into the idea that 
these papers make money by selling advertising. Mm. They don't sell the, the, the paper copy so it's all online. How do you justify your readership online? It's by retweets, shares and mm. analytics. So if trans people are mm. sharing um, this and talking about it, it you show someone facts yeah, and def- figures, you can't see the context of the conversation. Well, it's definitely that kind of click, you say clickbait writing mm-hmm. and, you know, head- headlines. I think absolutely, like, let's, let's put something forward that's going to be inflammatory. I feel like um, all the time, the way the news is at the moment is, is either or. So here's this opinion and here's this other opinion and let's have a fight because then everyone's got to take a side and everyone's going to be pissed off about one or the other. Um, I mean, well, you see, you work in the media and you broadcast as well. I mean, yeah, uh, this, is, this is the thing that annoys me most is that when the papers want to, they can get it spot on mm. and they can get it right and mm. they can use the right terminology, the right pronouns and you read the article and you think, okay, that's yeah. not shit. The next day, it's just full of nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of that, I suppose, has got to come down to who's made the piece, who's the editor of it. And I'm going to use the BBC as an example here because I've gained a much bigger knowledge of them recently. Like, whenever you watch a programme, you're like, okay, so we had Swansea Sparkle and BBC Wales fairly recently. And they dropped the ball with it. They mm-hmm. completely dropped the ball with it. It started out and it was mostly following um, people who identify as transvestite. Cool, not a problem with that but they were presenting it as if that was what trans women were. Mm. And there was no clarification of this. And then there was one trans woman on it, but they used her dead name and misgendered and everything. And you see that in the news articles and all these coming out stories. And I'm kind of like, right, so there's been a group of people that have made this programme and someone's released it and it's gone Mm. out. But the whole BBC gets tarred with it. Same up here, terrible programmes get made. So it's about... And and this is what annoys me the most. There's organisations out there like... um, Transmedia Watch, All About Trans, mm-hmm. and all these companies that are there, they help support the media in getting it right. Mm-hmm. And they attend all these interactions, and they learn all this information. Mm-hmm. So it's whether or not they're being complicit and just flat out ignoring it, mm-hmm. or if they don't care, or yeah. whatever. And it, it really frustrates me to see big companies not have like a central database that said, if you're making a program about autism, here's some mm-hmm. things. If you're making a program about trans folk, yeah, yeah. Here, here's some here's information, some, some people you could talk it. to. You know, and I think it's, it's there's an idea about what makes a good story. I mean, it, it's so not trans related. My dad's been, um, my dad is directing a, a group of amateur performers in Cornwall for the RSC's touring Midsummer Night's Dream. Like, it's too. totally gorgeous and um, you know, am, am, amazing. Like that he's direct, like he gets to direct for the RSC now. It's oh. it's wonderful. So it's a really nice project, and they use they're working with amateur groups all around the country to play the mechanicals. Um, and all around the country, the regional BBC News is making a little a little film about that group, yeah. um, and they're following the people playing bottom particularly. And my dad's been having this fight with the people filming it because they keep wanting to say, they keep planting this idea of, and you're all really nervous. This is going to be amazing yeah. for you. What a life-changing thing. And actually, the group that my dad's been working with, they're pretty good. They've been doing stuff yeah. for a while. And he keeps going, no, we're not nervous. We know we're going to knock this out of the park. It's going to be fucking amazing. Why don't you write that story? And they, it's a re- he's, and he's, I'm so proud of him, but he's really like, you know, he's preempting that and he's hammering it home and trying yeah. to change the story. But 
ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised if they edit it and it comes out and they've got enough footage that they can piece together a, well, we're going up to the big city and we're going to perform and we're really... And it's so boring. It's so boring. Every story becomes that. Completely. And with the trans media stuff as well, like I had a, a couple of journalists get in touch with me about a swimming group I'm involved in. And they, they phoned up like, we'd like to do a piece about the swimming. Uh, He's like, yeah, cool. No problem. Let's have a chat on the phone. I'm trying to write, all right, okay. And uh, they were like, so what about your transition? I was like, it's fine. And I'm like, okay, when did you first realise that you were transgender? I was like, that's not the point of this story. Yeah. And, you know, they were asking leading questions. Mm. And I'm very aware of what a leading question is. Yeah. And uh, one of them was like, so um, are, are you finished transitioning? You know, and I was like, it's yeah. what has the contents of my pants got to do with people going for a swim in a safe space <laughs> you know and she got really annoyed with me and she's like well i'm gonna have you got your partner's number who who did the swimming with i was like yeah so i eat mom charlotte yeah. and i was like look heads up here's what's happening and then charlotte's like yeah, same kind of questions yeah. you know like it's fair enough ask us about why we set it up and what it means to us to swim but yeah. But my childhood and how my parents and my family react to me coming out is not part of the story. Yeah. And you see the sensational headlines all the time of people going in, I now pronounce you um, woman and yeah. wife, you know? Mm-mm. And I'm really sick of, and it sounds really terrible, but I'm really sick of the media and trans people, I'm afraid we are just as bad for it because when people come out as trans, you see a lot of trans people in the media and they think that there's some sort of fame can be had from being trans mm. and they do these articles for like magazines and newspapers mm-hmm. about and it opens up all this terrible reporting mm. and we've had articles like that for 20 30 years yeah, yeah. if not longer yeah. the articles we should be seeing now is looking at you know discrimination in the workplace and the nhs like mm-hmm. you try and get these messages across but they're not interested and i'm really annoyed with media because they love a good nhs story yeah <laughs> you know they actually yeah, love yeah. ripping into the nhs but they're just more concerned about who we were mm-hmm. and what surgery we've had. Yeah. It's like, yeah, people know what trans is now. Like, yeah, let's yeah. get past the, the generic stuff and get into the, 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 yeah. the meat and veg of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and with, with the reporting that goes on, and this is kind of what I'm quite passionate about. It's like, I, I want to work in media, I want to work in broadcasting, mm. and I don't always want to do trans stuff because that's very niche and gender-based yeah. stuff. But if, in the process of me cutting my teeth and developing my skills and making more programs, mm. I can do that, then, I, I, sorry, if cutting the teeth, I can put the right message out there, at least raise awareness a bit more than what's actually out there. You know, trans people, trans roles, trans stories. Mm. We gave mainstream cis media a good chance at it, and they keep getting it. Yeah. We need the allies, that's fine. And I'm going to go and continue making queer films, and that will all be trans-based stuff. But mainstream stuff, I want to be able to at least go, you're making this programme, give us a shout, I'll tell you what to say. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't mess it up. Yeah, absolutely. Know? But I think you, you're right. It's going to only come when we make it and we've got to push mm-hmm. for that and push against this desire that the media has to paint this very straight, heteronormative, white, able-bodied yeah. view of, of what trans is that doesn't actually reflect, that doesn't reflect the people that I know. It doesn't reflect the yeah. scene that I grew up with online. It doesn't, ref, you know, it doesn't reflect the reality. It just, you know, if, if anything, it's just reinforcing those harmful stereotypes but that's because they're also targeting you know fresh like people or baby trans as some people say i say that in dirty <laughs> commas because i'm not a massive fan of that phrase mm. because i think that's a little bit elitist for people to go yeah oh you're just a wee baby trans it's like well that's going to put people off learning more to make things better yeah, yeah. in terms of what the information in general society is puts mm. on the ground um but the people that, that do these articles 
there, there, there's a part of responsibility. The media are preying on these people and these people are happy to do it and they're happy mm. to give the before pictures and it's kind of like, who knows in a year or two's time, yeah. are you going to be happy with those pictures and your dead name yeah. available? And they, they don't think like that because when they come out they're like, oh, no, you're happy for a wee bit of attention, you're happy to test that, yeah. you know? And, and I think the way that, I mean, I was speaking with... Um, uh, Munro B- Bergdorf um, yeah. recently who was on the panel down at the w- Women of the World Festival um, and she's getting an awful lot of media attention at the moment because she's been the face of like this Uniqlo um, mm. campaign and so like really good positive stuff and I googled her because I was chairing this panel and I checked like I googled all the people just to see who I had um, and the first thing that comes up for her is this Daily Mail article that has pictures of her as a child her old name like all of these things and, you know, you don't know what people's have done or how complicit they are. And I was, you know, she, she was asking her about that and she was talking about it on the panel um, and felt very coerced by, by, the, by that publication. Mm-hmm. Didn't, you know, didn't know that it was for the Daily Mail because it was a freelance journalist. And then lots of like, well, you know, don't you think it would be helpful to other people to see this and you know it's mani- you're manipulated and yeah. I mean even um, the Wachowski siblings oh my God, you know the, I mean the, it's, the Lily story is horrific <sighs> imagine someone turning up at your door and going if you don't do this we'll do it for you yeah horrific I mean who was the remember the, the Daily Mail tried that a few years before I can't remember the woman's name off the top of my head who ended up killing herself oh, was this the teacher um, um, Lucy Lucy Meadows, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, they've got a history of that. And it's like, what are you at? What, yeah. what benefit to you does does that... Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. You know? And then, obviously, like, he comes out and does it to them and says, this is what happened. And they're like, no, you didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. You bloody well did, otherwise she'd still be doing things on her own terms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, how would you like it if we came to your door and went... We find out this about your partner from 10 yeah, years yeah. ago or your family or whatever and you spread it all over the, the internet yeah. and that. They'd be taken aback. Yeah. And I think it just comes from the fact that we're still not seen as equal. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it all boils down to. This, mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, like I feel like things are moving forward, things are positive, but at the same time the negative is coming alongside that mm. and there's still no equality and it, it feels like as much as we take one step forward it's like four pushes back yeah yeah absolutely. you know it's not even us stepping back it's actually being forced back mm. um it's interesting what you say about that that article for um Berdoff. i mean did you what did she say about that like in terms of how how did she feel about seeing dead name and old pictures and stuff being the first search result for her yeah i mean i think she's I think she's owned it now and she, and you know as someone who lives publicly tr- as trans like mm-hmm. she she's taken it as a learning experience yeah. you know I think that was that was the sense that I got from her but that in you know in that moment it wasn't I mean obviously she gave consent for it but just under the grounds of oh come on you know this is you you have a responsibility really mm-hmm. to do this mm-hmm. and I think that's you know that's a huge amount of pressure to put people under um but it's good. I mean, I'm really pleased you brought up Ellen, Ellen Murray in Northern Ireland, though, because you're right. This is the, this is what this is where we want the story to be, right? Let's yeah, exactly. have that. And if only people wrote about the Green Party ever, then that, <laughs> yeah, we'd hear uh, more about it. We might hear more about it. I mean, you, you. I mean, funny you bring her up. There's a few people that I follow on online who, who I kind of go to for. Um, so I think Twitter's a really good um, platform. I use Twitter a lot, mm-hmm. but like who I'll go to 
with story, like when a story breaks, I, I wonder what Ellen said about this, or I wonder what Kate said about this. Yeah. And I found, you know, I've, I've really learned a lot from following both of you, actually. And I think oh. that you are part of um, a group of women who, especially when those conversations kind of happen across. And I think yeah. it's, it's, it's been really helpful for me to see people like you publicly oh. and putting stuff forwards and the articles that you share or the things that you share. And, and likewise for her. I think Twitter, Twitter is fantastic. Like when I first discovered Twitter, like I, I was just new to Twitter. I'd spent a lot of time finding my information from Reddit and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, it's really nice that you say that nice stuff. I'll just <laughs> shush it off and move on. It's all right. We'll link um, to it in the uh, in the details as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, in regards to, to, to Ellen Murray, I think that is just sensational. Like as soon, when I saw that news story break, of, of, of Ellen saying, look, I'm running for this candidacy, like, and I know a few people in Northern Ireland that have told me everything that this woman is doing beside this, you know, she's not mm. getting any funding for this, from mm. what I understand, I better watch how much information disclose here, she's involved in setting up loads of groups in her own time, she's applying for money mm. specifically for LGBTQI organisations, mm. and she's doing all of this off her own back, whilst running for election mm. and sorting out gender clinics and these powerful positive trans people where's her story in the paper yeah, you know yeah. I mean she's done a couple of pieces and whether or not she chooses not to do interviews or whatever that's not up to it but you don't see mm. the front page of the sun going even with a sensationalistic headline yeah. saying running for, for party leader because they know that that's not going to work out in their favour yeah. well I mean you know and it's I think aside from trans misogyny there's just like regular old misogyny yeah. going on you know here's mm-hmm. a Here's a, a powerful woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that scares us. We don't and we don't want women having any power. Yeah. Um, Twitter, like you say as well, is great for understanding the consensus of what people are thinking, um, and it's worth following people globally. Like I've got a couple of lists of people mm. that, like you say, that are my go-to when a story breaks. Sometimes I yeah. can go right. What What are they saying about it? Is it kind yeah. of on par with what I'm thinking? And not so much that I will change my opinion, but. I think it just helps me cement my viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. yeah You know, absolutely. if something is completely against the grain, I mean, I've learned so much about... I mean, before I, I transitioned, I definitely wasn't a, a feminist in any way, shape or form. I'm definitely... I would define intersectional feminism as part of mm-hmm. you know, my, my core values mm-hmm. now. So, obviously, a lot of that learning came from here. Yeah, absolutely. came from Twitter and links, like you say, to articles. If someone goes, this is a good article, go read it. Mm-hmm. I'll go read it. Yeah. I make up my own mind. I might go, okay, I don't agree with this and that, but it opens up a discussion. And yeah. it, it, it helps... Like you're saying, other people just see these discussions going on. They might not interact. Yeah. I read an article saying that forty percent of Twitter users are just there to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll never. Yeah. Interact. They'll just follow, and I've got a handful of followers that I've never spoke to, yeah. and I look at their accounts and they never really tweet. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to see that these people are just sitting in to see what the story is. Mm-hmm. And that that's great. I love the internet for that. But when the stories that some of these people are seeing as their first foray into it is bad stories or misinformation. Yeah that's dangerous yeah absolutely and then because like, like I say if you get someone out there that's like you know I can't start hormones for two years mm. you know, that's not actually right but then they will tell that to their pal and then mm. you've got two people who are desperate and then they might be go online and self-med mm-hmm. when they could have just gained access on the NHS yeah you know so it's important that these messages are out there and that there is support and yeah. um, okay done mm. that with that's this cool. conversation cool. this is the <laughs> but this is what I um entirely what I like is the conversations that go around um, I think we probably should wrap up um, what's what's going on what's a, what's next what's alive for you 
Um, and what in terms of what I'm up to? Yeah. Um. Well, as you know, I'm doing the, the, the BBC stuff at the moment. They um have kindly phoned me and if they wanted something a week off me, and I was like, no, I'm too busy for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm gonna do a couple of a couple of more videos for them. They did four more videos across a fortnightly release schedule on trans stuff. Fantastic. And you um, made a piece for tra- trans day of visibility recently. Yeah. Which, so yeah. that was out on the thirty first. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. So the next ones are gonna be around some. Some some topics. Next one I'm actually going to be doing is on dead naming. Okay. Um, and how important it is mm. to, to be like if you know someone's dead name, you don't know it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just continue doing media type stuff and you know just everything that I do. I, I'm getting ready for Squiff as well, so I'm handling some missions and I'm on the committee for Squiff. Okay. So that's the Scottish Queer International Film Festival and just. Continuing to do what I can for media, I think that's kind of kind of Kate's path. It's <laughs> like it, it's it's just it's worth saying this to because I don't know if there's people that listen to your podcast or whatever that are you know kind of freshly out or not into into everything. But I, I I'm starting to hammer home this message, this new sense of positivity, and you'll maybe feel the same that before you transition, you're like, my life's over when I transition. Mm. I'm just gonna be seen as a trans person. But that inner confidence has pushed me forward. I actually feel like I'm doing better now in life that I've mm. sorted out the gender yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. And it's allowed me to kind of <laughs> soar like an eagle. <laughs> um, I don't know, do you, do you find that as well? Like, in terms of before you transitioned and doing all your art stuff, yeah. like, do you feel now that it's more confident and you just... I think, I mean, I think it's a... So I do I do agree with you fundamentally and, and for, my, for myself. I think, like, because it's... Do you remember there was that the campaign of It Gets Better... Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think I'm aware of the problems with that sentiment as well because it it, it can any... be a lot of pressure, you know. Yeah. Like it's a lot of pressure on that. Well, what if my life doesn't feel better? I, I'm not, I'm not doing it right because mm. my all my problems are supposed to be solved. Um, I prefer the term not it gets better, but you get better. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely like it's different. It's different. I have a lot of privilege. I had a lot of privilege before I transitioned. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't transition because there was no alternative. The alternative was the alternative was very comfortable. I did it because I choose to and because I choose that this is better and mm. you know and it and it is and I have it's opened up loads more and and, and you know I'm, and the absence of the absence of the everything that I was feeling before, you know, is huge and um, so I'm very very happy and like life is better, but I think um Oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm dicing around. Yeah, is the answer. Yes, things are better. But I think it's not a... I don't think it's necessarily going to be that easy because there yeah. are definitely... I never used to get anxiety attacks before I mm-hmm. transitioned. And now I do. And yeah. so there's definitely, like, for all the things that are better, there are there are things that are real that are tough to, um, to deal with. And I welcome them because it's all part of... It's all part of being alive and 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 doing this, but yeah, it's not like it. I, it's, it's dangerous that thought of a trajectory of a oh yeah of a, traject- yeah. Of a trajectory. Um, I definitely agree with you on the mental health side of things. Like mm. I never used to be a bad one for panic attacks for that, and yeah, coming out, you know, there are days where my mental health takes a beating and stuff, mm. and I'm I'm pretty aware of that, but. Again, it's it's kind of I think my quality of life is definitely yeah. better. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably the message is that your your entire social situation won't change because your social transition, your medical transition, mm. are two completely separate things. Um, but at least my own personal quality of life and 
even if I wasn't doing what I was doing with the media stuff, I think with the people and the connections that I've made on the, the internet as well, on like mm-hmm. so Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff like that, are positive because you you know that you're not alone in it. Mm, now, yeah, times absolutely. Go, I mean, I, I recently was in a situation where I was about to be made homeless. Right. And I thought, last chance, I've set up a GoFundMe, I need yeah. a brand, nobody's going to give me any money. And I got it within a week. Wow. You know, and people like that, look, I can't mm. afford very much. People give me a fiver and I was like, look, I, I know it's really hard thing to do is ask a marginalised group of poor trans people, mm. do you have any spare cash? But they all did that. And it's a big rallying support yeah. for everyone. And now, hopefully, when I get into a better place, I can pay that forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? um, yeah, that's, but I mean, that's definitely better. Looking out, looking out for each other and that sense of, um, of a community, I do really yeah. love it. That's why I'm lo- liking having these conversations, yeah, completely. you know, <laughs> as well. Exactly. The first time I met, <laughs> met, met trans people, which was only last year, it's only a year ago I met my first proper real trans people. Wow. And now one of them's like a, a great friend of mine that had me there for Christmas, you know, but you, you just meet people, like whenever you meet tweet, t- Twitter people in real life, mm-hmm. it's like you already know them. Yeah, absolutely. So it's nice and relaxed, yeah, yeah. you know, um, which is fantastic because you've got that shared experience. Mm. It's important to say though that just because you're trans doesn't mean you're going to be best pals with someone because that's yeah, not a foundation pl- for I'm sure there's plenty of assholes out there as well. Yeah, I've met a few of them. <laughs> there's even trans republicans as we know so (laughs) that's another podcast uh, it's own right so right final thing what's the topic of the next podcast i maybe forgot to prep you for this um what would i like to hear people talk about um i mean and we probably then won't (laughs) but let's um let's pretend who are you interviewing now? Ah, I can't divulge that. Oh, it's, no. Um, you know. Okay, I'd like to hear people talk about... Overcoming challenges. Okay. Overcoming challenges, whether it be challenges with going outside and accepting into society or just overcoming the personal challenge of coming out or just... Dealing with the, with the hard bits, I think that'd be quite interesting to hear. Okay, overcoming challenges. Overcoming challenges. That's Blimey. quite broad. It's good, we like broad. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. No, it's been wonderful, thanks for having me. No worries. So there you have it, um, coming to you live from the live from the green room at Buzzcut Festival, and only a few interruptions. So we're definitely getting better. Um, it occurred to me that this conversation with uh, with Kate was the first time that I've interviewed someone on this podcast that I didn't previously know. So uh, it felt more of an interview than um, than perhaps some of the other ones were. But I was really fascinated to hear about Kate's experiences and her life. So I hope you enjoyed that as well. Um, I'm going to sign off because I want to get this out as quickly as possible but I will be recording tomorrow with um, some of the artists from the festival so we'll be talking about that that's going to be the plug there's there's no other plugs Um, the plug will be come and see all the amazing things at Buzzcut Festival but you can't because tomorrow is the last day so unless you're already here you already missed it and it's been great but perhaps we'll talk more about that in the next episode um until then stay safe look after each other and thanks for listening see you soon